Hello and welcome to the Pitman Pod. It's a new podcast dedicated to Hensford Town Football Club, hopefully with interviews with current, former players and members of staff. Um, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by the uh, the current chairman, Aid Dando. Aid, how are you doing? Not too bad, Ryan. Not too bad, mate. Thanks for having me on. No, brilliant. Fantastic. I guess the first question um, to ask you is, um, why did you come back? Um, I've said before, I, I looked at the club and it was horrible watching what was happening. Um, I couldn't watch a football club of 140 years die. I love the place and it just seemed like the right thing to do. So you obviously, well, um, left and then there was a reported interest in a takeover that seemed to sort of be going somewhere. When did you first kind of realise that things might not progress in the way that was hoped? And when did you kind of think to yourself, um, I fancy getting back into it? Oh, I've, I've, to be fair, I mean, I've left and come back twice. I've had more comebacks than professional <laughs> boxers. But, um, <laughs> but no, um, so basically, um, we, so I was I departed in sort of March time. Um, although officially I was still um, the vice chairman, in reality I'd stopped working at the club around the start of March when I moved out to Spain. Um, the first I knew about the, the deal collapsing was basically we had an email uh, the same day the fans found out. We had an email saying that... Uh, the prospective buyer decided he didn't want to continue um, with the purchase, and it was as quick as that, really. Um, it was it was hard, and it was it was one where obviously we had to do things very quickly for the FA and things like that. So if things were done, paperwork was put in motion. Unfortunately, the club was on the league. Uh, the statement went out quite quickly after after that, and I sat there and. I didn't sleep all night. Um, I said this to the other day. I sat on the roof of my house. I've got a, a roof terrace here. A lot of Spanish houses have been there. I sort of sat there all night. And I tried to come up with as many different ways as I could to, for the club to try and carry on. And I realised that the problem is with a football club, it's no different to any other business. Um, it's a limited company, um, as, as probably 99% of businesses are um, at this level. So... The difficulty is people have to do due diligence, understandably, when taking on a business. That can take six weeks, eight weeks. We had, uh, I think it was seven days. We had four days to lodge the paperwork. Um, there was nobody in the world, and I realised that there was nobody in the world who knew the business who was going to do it other than me. Um, and that was where the decision was made, because it was only me that knew the limited company enough not to need to do due diligence. I'd just go, right, let's do it, let's take it on, and let's... Uh, yeah, let's try, well, try and keep it afloat. I mean, obviously, I, I put all the deal, you know, in place and took the shares over from Graham and everything else. And we still didn't know if we even if we were even allowed to play football because of the situation with the FA for about another week after that. So it's a crazy time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've only been myself kind of involved in the the club for a very short period, but just kind of looking around the place and seeing the dedicated volunteers, you know, like Terry and Val and Kevin. I mean, it must be quite satisfying for you to be able to save the club and in effect save a very big part of their lives yeah I mean I think probably one of the biggest things for me um, being involved in non-league I mean I played I played non-league football much lower level um, but you don't really I didn't really notice it as much uh, it was only from being involved with the club you realize just the fact that a football club at this level doesn't exist without volunteers that is a, a simple fact it does not exist um, and that's whether it's Hensford Town or any other football club at this level. And real, realising how important it is to people, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned people there, you know, Terry's 
I always take the mickey out of Terry and I say he, he was there when Henson was formed. But he, you know, he's given a, a huge amount of his life to the club. Um, you know, people like Kev, people like Roger are there all the time. You know, they, they give their time and, you know, it's full-time jobs for them. Val, of course, um, Dave Bates, uh, Val's late husband, was a huge, huge influence on me in a very short space of time. He was a really nice guy. I got on with him really well. And... And for Val, obviously, a huge part of Dave remains in that club um, because, you know, it was his pitch. It was always known as Dave's pitch. And for me to be able to, to keep the club going, um, for people like that, for supporters, it means so much to me. It, it really does. I've said this before. Man United and Chelsea and Arsenal, they mean a lot to millions and millions of people. Hence, it means a lot to a lot less people. You know, obviously, we're a much smaller club, but it doesn't mean it means any less to those people who love Hensford Town. Yeah. And for me, that was that was the biggest thing. Was just it was horrible watching everybody's emotions coming out. Not not the anger stuff. You know, I understood that the actual upset that was happening, and where people were were really upset about the idea of the club not being there. You know, and it was it was it was horrible. So to be able to do it and um, to be able to carry on and I've only been back once since um, since we completed the deal, but I, I walked into the ground, um, sort of quite unannounced, and sort of crept through the side <laughs> and saw everybody working away, and it was it was wonderful to be honest, Ron. Yeah, I mean it's it is fantastic that you know you you've managed to sort of keep the club alive, and 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 just for the community as well, I think it's been a real boost. Um, have you had kind of messages from sort of supporters and wider community members? You know, really really pleased that this is happening. I mean, I've seen a few comments myself, and there is a sense of just great relief and 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 thankfulness to you. That must be quite satisfying. Um, yes and no. I mean. It's, it's, my thing is, it's, it's really not about me. I mean, I've had some fantastic messages and I've said the same thing to every single person. They don't need to say thank you to me because it's not about me. It's just about keeping the club alive. And what, what I love and the bit that I'm I've, I've, I've finding most satisfying, if I'm honest with you right now, is seeing that people who have perhaps not been around the club for, you know, five, ten years, all of a sudden, not remembering that it's there, but... When you come close to losing something, you realise how much you want it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the communities really rallied round and, you know, realised that how close the club came. Well, the club was gone, essentially. Um, you know, how close they came to losing their football club. And they realised that, you know, they want hands for town there. You know, we've just seen the demise of a, another football club, the Road Heath Hayes. Mm. And I'm not going to. I don't know the ins and outs of the legal arguments that are going on there, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to uh, speculate on that. But all I do know is we've got one football club left in that area now, um, and it, it, it feels that the community sort of realised that. And the messages I've had, I mean, not just from support, I've had some amazing messages of support. I mean, as I say, I, I respond to every single person the same and say, "There's literally no need to say thank you for anything. It's 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 your club. It's you know, it's about keeping your club alive." But I've had messages of people who haven't been for a few years. I've had messages of other clubs and the wider community, and you know, the offer of support that's coming. And we I mean, we do really need it as well. You know, there's so many obstacles that are still in play at the moment. Um, just in terms of day-to-day uh, issues that happen at, at most businesses and most football clubs. But because we're so far behind and we're playing catch-up on ourselves, we're dealing with three, four weeks' worth of issues in two or three days at times. And when I say issues, I can be talking anything from 
paperwork that needs doing and is massively overdue to an issue we've got at the moment where obviously the bank account names being changed over from Graham to myself and the wonderful people at TSB managed to lose the mandate. <laughs> so at the moment, we technically didn't have a bank account, so I had to open a new bank account. Um, but the old bank account still got a lot of money in it um, from you know when we first got when we sent season tickets and things. So it's dealing with headaches like that. You know that's the kind of thing we're we're up against a little bit at the moment. But the support of the community has been absolutely phenomenal. If I'm honest with you, you know people coming forward with sponsorship offers and wanted to you know come to games. It's, it's been brilliant, mate. It really has. No, it's really really good to hear. I mean, you um, speaking of sort of sponsorship um, offers, um, new new kit sponsor kit was launched yesterday. So we're recording this on the fourth uh, of July. The kit was um, announced on the third. Um, it's a great kit and uh, it's a nationally recognised sponsor as well. Just how big of a of a deal is that for the club? Oh, it is. It's fantastic. I mean, it comes on Zoom. You know, it, it is. It's, it's a big deal for the club to to be able to get that over the line and to be working with with them as a brand. Um, you know, I'm just super comment about the vans that they drive around. Right, I believe. I'm sure I live in space, but I don't really see. Yeah, them. they are. They are kind of like Virgin, but sort of very bright and um, and, and quite noticeable. <laughs> but do you know what? And somebody said this to me yesterday. Somebody made a comment about the logo being pink, and here's what I'm going to say about a logo. Right? People turn around and say, "Oh, this logo is bad, or that logo is bad." About any business, if you're talking about it, the logo is doing its purpose. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. So, I think that's the key thing is, again, for us to be working with Zoom, people are talking about it. So, again, it's it's another fantastic bit of press for Hensford that people are talking about the kits. They're talking about the fact, you know, we're, we're being sponsored by Zoom. It's this big company. And it's been brilliant. Not to, not to forget Kazoo as well. I mean, Kazoo is sponsored the back of the shirts. They've been with this football club since before I was here. And, again, they're brilliant people. It's a great, great deal to have, you know, and it's brilliant that they've stayed with us as well. Um but yeah, the new kit, I like, I like it. Um, yeah, no, I'm a big like fan. It. It's good to see the red one back as well. I think a lot of fans were saying it's nice to have a red kit again. So that's that's a plus. Yeah, I think I think we had we had sky blue last year. I can't remember what we had. The, I can't even remember the very first year when we took over. Um, even though I probably signed off on it. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, it's 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 a nice kit. It's, it's something different, and again, it's it's a strange one to say, but. I feel that it looks different as well when you actually see it. It's, it's weird with football shirts sometimes. Looking at pictures and videos of them is not quite the same as when you, you look up close. Like if you're on the shirt, so it's got Pittman 1880 um, sort of in it all the way around the shirt. It's, it's absolutely, I really do like the design. It's a bit retro as well, which is cool. So, yeah, and they're, and they're for sale now, aren't they, for the fans to sort of, um, I think, pre-order, is it, at the moment? As, yeah, as they can be pre-orders. So obviously we have to wait for the order to come in. So we put pre-orders on online. Um... We can all obviously be able to order more as we go along, but yeah, we, you can pre-order them right now at the Hensford Town website via the shop. Um, and yeah, as I say, I think the sizes go up to I think we go up to triple uh, XL, but we can order bigger sizes. Yeah, we've had to because of me. <laughs> I usually get that problem with being six foot five and a bit. It's not. It's uh, nothing seems to fit me. <laughs> yeah, I have that. I have that in high time width. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess for people on the outside um, looking in, how does um, a sponsorship deal um, come about? I mean, uh, do you ring around companies or do companies approach you? What What's the sort of um, what 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 kind of goes into that? Uh, it's, it's, there's three different avenues really that it comes down to. 
The first avenue would be, yeah, you know, we're, we're us picking up the phone, whether that's me, whether it's Terry, whether it's somebody else around the club. And I know it's been it's been muted over the years to bring back a commercial manager. And again, it's something that I'm taking under consideration as I'm taking every single idea we possibly can. Um, but, it's, you know, picking up the phone, speaking to companies. Um, it, there's also companies that contact us directly at the club. There's, there's been a few. And then, obviously, the... Um, the, the news sort of that the club was staying and uh, the, the massive community involvement and the fact that people listened to what I said in the statement when I said, you know, I need your help to do this. I can't, I physically can't fund it, you know, um, to this huge level. And I'm not a multimillionaire who's sitting, you know, sitting on the vast oil wealth or anything like that. So I need, I need people to sort of chuck, chuck their money in and whatever way they can. And we've had a great response from that. So people just contacting us directly. And then you tend to sit down with people and have a chat. Because what I will say is it can't just be a one-way thing. It's not just about us saying, give us your money. It's got to be, what are we going to give them back as well? You know, um, they, if they're spending and investing time and money into the football club, what can we give them? What, what's the best advertising uh, we can do for them? Um, with some of the sponsors, you know, do they want to do a corporate day there? Loads of different things we can do. Um depending on what, what they want themselves, you know. And this is even, you know, just a, a small company who gets a board, anything. Um, we'll always try and work with them and try and give them something back because I think it's really, really vital that you've you actually got to be valued for money. You know, you can't just say to people, yeah, sponsor us because we're the local football club. Thanks for your money and we'll, we'll ring you this time next season again. It doesn't work like that. You know, I've, I've sponsored God knows how many um, sports events from boxing and football and things over the years. And you get no value out of it, so you just don't do it again. You know, whereas we want to give people value and give them a reason to go, okay, I'll renew next season, you know what I mean? It's not just because I support the club, there's a business sense to it as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, moving on to kind of the uh, the sort of the playing side of things, um, Danny and uh, Danny Glover and Dan Crane management team this year. Um, I think a lot of fans are really thrilled that they've stayed on board. Um, how pleased are you to be um, working with both of them? Absolutely buzzing. Um, there was never a plan B for me uh, with Danny in particular. So I worked with Danny last season and I'd worked with him previously as a player and he was just starting as an assistant manager. I know he'd looked after the team a bit so during the transition period when me and Graham first came in. Uh, then he departed. He, he came back and there's a guy there who not only, is, not only has he got a lot of ability as a manager, he really cares. Like He genuinely loves this football club and um, when the deal was being done, um, for me to try and save it and try and keep the club going. I rung Danny on the Friday and I said, look, this is what's happening. We can't publicise it because we don't know if it's going to come off. Can you give me a few days? Suddenly we'd had offers. Um, I said, just give me a few days. And he went, he, he turned around and said, I'm going nowhere. While the club's still alive, I'm going nowhere. Do what you've got to do and we'll have a chat. And I rung him on the Tuesday, uh, told him where we were at and told him you know, what it was looking like. And the, at the time, you know, it was, it was a tough one because... We didn't know if the FA were going to sign off on a stayed in the league and at step four and all that. And he was he was fantastic. And on the Friday, he was more buzzing than anybody. And I don't think we'd even discussed money or terms. He just got on with the job. <laughs> if I'm honest, yeah. you know, he just he did. I, I don't remember us actually sitting down and having that conversation. But the one thing I've said is Danny deserves back in this club. People, people, we were on about earlier saying thank you to me. People should be saying thank you to Danny rather than me because that, what Danny's done in a short space of time, 
all I've done is, is keep the football club alive. He's had to build a football team in a few weeks. And I think the team he's put together is really good. I think bringing in Danny Craig's absolute masterstrokes. The two of them, they get on really well. Um, obviously, we've got a situation with, with Guy uh, departing the club yeah. um, for his health reasons. And I will say, if you're listening to this guy, fantastic news as well. But you're, you're well again. And, you, you know, on Twitter, you're, you're sort of uh, you're beating it, mate. And so I'm, I'm literally, that is the best news of the year for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, I think everybody will kind of say that. I mean, you know, it was real worry at one stage and then just checking his Twitter feed and seeing that he was progressing well and the news that's come out yeah. is a huge relief, isn't it, really? Yeah, massive. massive. Guys are a fantastic blow. I mean, once he's sort of spent some time with his family and stuff, I'm hopeful we'll see him a, a game or two because he'll always be welcome with me. I'll always, I'll always buy that bloke a pint because yeah. I think he's a great guy. And... Um, but yeah, we were in a situation where obviously great uh, guy was going, and we needed an assistant manager. And Danny wanted somebody who brought into the same as Danny about the club. It got to be somebody about the club. We didn't want to. And I know he said a strange comment. We didn't want to go outside because we wanted somebody who knew what playing pension was about and knew what the club was about, given what we'd just been through. And I just think it was a fantastic appointment. I'd actually. Um, I'd had a chat with somebody a couple of weeks before, and somebody had mentioned that Dan Crane had left. Uh, I think it was Warwick. He was the last season. Yeah. And I turned around and went, "Yeah, that'll be a decent sign for somebody as a keeper." And then I started talking, and somebody else, when we started looking at this thing with um, when Kai was going, I was wondering who Danny was going to bring in. And ultimately, I mean, I've said to Danny, "It's your team. It's your management team. It's got nothing to do with me." To be honest, I'm not getting involved in who you bring in whatsoever. But obviously, privately, you speculate. Everybody does. You know yeah, I mean? of course, yeah. Privately, I'm sort of talking to the missus and I was talking to Tez and I'm going, oh, yeah, I wonder if we will bring Danny Crane in because I think that, you know, they get on well and that'd be a good one. Next thing you know, he sends me a voice note I've appointed Danny Crane as the assistant manager. <laughs> Superb. <laughs> um, apparently, it turns out I could be a football manager. Well, well, it, sound, it sounds like you could be you could be an agent, uh, quite, kind of quite everything, to be honest. Oh, mate, you, uh, that, that was the moment when I went, oh, this, this football chairman malarkey thing. <laughs> I mean, what's what's a bonus as well is, oh, well, yeah, what's a bonus as well is, is they both can still play. So I mean, you've got you know two individuals that um, coaching and tactically are very astute, but they can both still yeah. play. So it's like two for one, really. Yeah, I think you know the fact is Dan Crane's a fantastic keeper. He always has been. There's no two ways about that. And I think it's you know he, he will be up there with the top keepers in the division and I've said it before and I'll say it again call me biased and I don't really care but I still think Danny Glover's the best centre forward you're going to get in step forward full stop um, the young lads that are coming in around them I'll learn a lot of them and it'll, it'll help them progress as managers but it'll also help the players progress because of the fact they can play alongside these guys and I always think in any, in any business um the biggest thing a manager's got to do is prove to his staff or her staff, depending on the business, um, that they can do what they're asking them to do. You know, my staff at uh, Lionheart, for example, they need to know I can pick up the phone and book staff. I can go and stand on a door somewhere and be a doorman because ultimately they're looking. That you don't want anybody to say, "Well, you should do this." If they can't do it. Now, ultimately, Danny and Danny are both still playing, so they can turn around and say, "Well, this is what I want you to do." And then go and do it and show the player what they want him to do. Um, I think that's an actual a bonus. Um, I know that they're going to bring a third body in, um, sort of somebody on the solo because we're both playing. 
Um, I'm not 100 percent sure who that's going to be yet. I know they're talking to a couple of people, so I don't want to say it's likely to be this person or that person, and then it turns out to be somebody completely different. Which <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Stupid than I do myself. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll um, we'll wait and see on that. But yeah, they are going to bring somebody else into Alpha Male because they are going to be playing a lot of the time. Yeah, and I mean, you've uh, you've sort of um, spoken about kind of their their infectiousness around around the place. Um, one thing that really struck me as well is how they seem to have time for absolutely everybody, whoever walks um, through the door, and it's back to that community sort of feel again, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it's 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 a community football club. That's what it needs to be. You know, non-league football clubs thrive on the community. I. When I came back into the club, when I came back to the club the first time, so when I came back, when I arrived at the club the first time, I, mean, I made a lot of mistakes. Um, I was 34 years old and I was the vice chairman of what I consider to be one of the biggest non-league clubs in the Midlands, maybe even the country. And I'd had a lot of success in my life in a very short space of time, having gone from being broke as hell and sitting on my backside to making money. And I was cocky, I was arrogant, and I fell out with a lot of people. And it was only when I stood back and I realised we need people at this football club because it doesn't matter if if we can win the, we can win the league and if nobody's there to see it it doesn't matter it's irrelevant and I think we all learned that through COVID. Yeah. So what I love about what Danny and Danny do is that they spend time with absolutely everybody and whoever comes through the door you know like you say they'll spend time with people they'll work with them or they'll talk with them or they'll just chat football you know and. They're brilliant for it, and they do the same online as well. You know, I've, I've seen them online, so they like to explain anything that happens and have a chat with people so they understand why. Yeah, because it was obviously the uh, sort of um, maybe a bit of a surprise departure of uh, Reese Williams recently, and I think Danny kind of reassured fans a lot, didn't he? So that sort of engagement online is quite crucial. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Reese came, you know, we were all good to about. I like Reese. Um, he's a good lad, and I hope he does well. But. At the same time, you know, football, football's like that. People make decisions, and I just like the fact that Danny took the time to come out and say, "This is what happened." I didn't want Reese to go, but I respect the fact he has, you know. And let's hope the lad does well for himself because he's a nice lad, he's a good keeper, and I hope he does all right down there. To be fair, and shit, and also, and, but yeah, the the engagement thing's fantastic because they're hearing it directly from Danny. It's not from a third party. It's not me gobbing off and arguing with people. It's it's just Danny telling them this is what's happened, you know. And I, I just think if we're honest with supporters and we communicate openly with them, across the across the whole club, people people have been more supportive than if you try and do either and we've been accused of it before, either the cloak and dagger stuff or being argumentative and trying to tell people what they want to hear or trying to tell them what you want them to think. You know, this what Danny did there was fantastic. That's what I want him to continue to do. And that's what I want the whole club to be like, is an open book, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you just touched on yourself a little bit there. You've got a book out at the moment, kind of talking about the sort of trials and tribulations of business. Tell us a bit about that. Okay, so yeah, I am, yeah, it's the first book I've ever wrote. And for for people listening who knew me 10 years ago, um, the idea that I could read a book was something (laughs) that I'm So definitely no ghostwriter. No, no, I wish, I wish. Um, no, it's blood, sweat and tears, unfortunately. It's, it's took a few months. Basically, I wanted to write something because I've got sick of people saying that you can only make money from money. And I know that's a load of rubbish. I have to pick my words carefully, so I didn't swear. But it's, it frustrates me because 
it is a, it is a low rush because I literally came from 500 quid. That's not, it's not a myth story. That's what I had with our start. My business was 500 quid. Um, that was left to me by my nan when she passed away. That was how I started my business. And yeah, it takes time. Yes, I've got, yes, I've got a long way around. And I wanted to write something so that people realise the way they can do it and how you can do things like bootstrapping it. Um, not cutting costs, not cutting corners, sorry, but cutting costs even. Um, and where you can build a business, probably, I always think if you build a business with no money and it makes something, you become more protective of it because you've earned every penny of it. And I'm not knocking anybody that comes from money because I've got friends who, you know, they come from money. I, I just didn't, you know, I'm a working class lad from Tipton. Um, although for most of my 20s, so working would be quite a challenge because I sat on my backside doing nothing. You know? <laughs> um, but that was the whole idea behind writing the book. It's just to give people a bit of a guide. And um, weirdly, I've been approached to do my autobiography later this year. Oh, what? Um, which would be quite a, an interesting read, I hope. Because <laughs> I've been quite a varied life. And um, so it's sort of a prelude to that as well. Cause it's, it's not really talking about the story of me, but it's the book's more talking about how other people can do things first and then I'll talk to them when they do the autobiography about sort of how I did it and what I did um, along the way. So yeah, it should be good fun. I think um, particularly maybe young people or in fact anybody kind of want to sort of work for themselves and own businesses and become a success story like you have. Um, in terms of advice that you give, say maybe a, a young person looking to get into business, what's the kind of crucial um, piece of advice that you give them? Don't buy a football club. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, nah, in all seriousness. Um, the biggest piece of advice I give anybody, I've, there's loads of little bits, depends on the industry, but above all, just don't listen to the noise. Don't listen to what's around you, what other people are saying you should or shouldn't do. Because every single business, and I mean this, every business in the world is unique. Okay? They've all got their own unique qualities and unique problems. Now, don't get me wrong, the basics of running a business it doesn't matter whether it's a football club, whether it's a doctor's, or whether it's, I don't know, um, McDonald's. The basics of business are always going to be the same. You want to buy something at, product, at price A and sell it at price B and make a profit in between. That's the basics of a business. Now, the bit that people forget is that around it, there's a lot of different stuff with every single business. And people sit there and tell people, you can't do this. The, the word I hate the most is it, it can't. It frustrates the hell out of me because why can't you? Because at some point, somebody told somebody, you can't invent electricity. At some point, somebody told somebody, you can't invent a telephone. It, the facts are, until you realise that, actually, the only thing you're limiting yourself on is what other people tell you you can and can't do, you'll always be sort of pigeonholed by other people. I was told, you know... I remember being about 25, 26, and, you know, it's no secret I was in trouble and stuff when I was younger, and I was a bit of a, a tear away when I was in my early 20s. I was told I'd be um, dead or in prison by the time I was 30. Um, instead of 30, I'd just started my business. I'd just got married, and we were probably a year away from having my first child at that point. Yeah, it was, yeah, I was about 31, 32 when Billy was born. So... Just because what other people tell you, that's what they believe and that's their choice, but you don't have to. That's the biggest advice to give anybody starting a business. Don't listen to the noise. Yeah, no, I think that's um, really useful, particularly for people who maybe don't kind of know where they're going career-wise um, and wanting to do because it's quite daunting, isn't it, I imagine. Um, what was your first business in? Uh, security. Security. Um, I've, 
was always a doorman anyway. I mean, I always say I didn't work, but I worked doing the doors of a weekend, um, you know, for, for beer money as it was, you know, in the, in yeah. the in my 20s. Um, and then I graduated and I became a head doorman at some of, some of the sort of the bigger nightclubs um, in Birmingham and places like that. And then eventually, um, I made the decision to start a security company, uh, which is, of course, Lionheart, which became Lionheart. And he's still going and still uh, a pain in my backside every day. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you, you kind of got, I mean, you've got a few bars as well, haven't you? Um, you one in one in Wolverhampton. Um, and uh, you've, have you got have you got a few elsewhere in the UK or? Yeah, I've got so I've got centre spot in Wolverhampton. Um, that's probably the most well known one. Local to Hensford, as it were. Um, uh, but yeah, I've got a couple of other bits and bobs. I've got a hotel up in Blackpool as well. Um, which will be quite useful now we're in the, the sort of the northern league because yeah. a couple of times I'm looking and going could do an overnight stay there so that'll save me a few quid <laughs> um, so yeah um, we've got that uh, what else we've got and obviously out in Spain we've got uh, two two three nightclubs somewhere like that uh, the biggest one is going to be Planet Pop once that opens uh, yeah. which is in Benidorm and will hopefully open it's supposed to be July but um, the builders are probably talking to me now and saying probably going to be um sort of end of August so um, yeah that one's been a, a little bit of a hold up and got, uh, but yeah I've got a few different bits and bobs and I've always, I've always got my eye out for what we're doing next. <laughs> yeah, no, I just think it's great that with all that going on, and you, you, you still get drawn back to back to Hensford. Like, what is it about Hensford as a place and and as a club that keeps sort of um, pulling you back in? Really? Uh, do you know what? I, I, I was I was walking around the ground when I visited a couple of weeks ago. And uh, this is, I mean, this was about eleven o'clock at night. I think I saw saw yourself that day actually. Right? Yeah, you did. I yeah, a few people. And I was the only one there, so at 11 o'clock at night, I was still working. And um, I went for a wonder around the pitch, and Val's going to hear that and shout at me. <laughs> uh, and she'll also be looking for fag ends, but no, I didn't drop any on the pitch. <laughs> uh, I wonder around the pitch, and just, I was looking around the place, and I don't, I can't put my finger on it, it's just something about the place, it, it's, it's addictive. Um, I've never been in there before we looked at Brian the club, I've never been to Ensford. And I came to one game, which was, I think they played Stourbridge at home, and I think they lost 2-1, if I'm right. Um, and I, I enjoyed my time there, I thought it was really cool. And, you know, carried on doing what we are doing, got the deal done. And then, I don't know, I just, it's got this weird hold over me, hence <laughs> that. I don't, I can't understand, explain it, it's just football, you know, I'm, I'm a massive football fan, you know, and, I just fell in love with it. I, I, I can't. I, I, I can't give you a better explanation. No, unfortunately, I just. I love the place. I love the people. You know, as much as I clash with people over there at times, the one thing is for a non-league club. God, man, people ain't half passionate at Ensford. They really are passionate about their football. Yeah, club. no, they are definitely fantastic. You know, any other clubs could be getting, getting relegated as we were last year, and we were actually confirmed as down and still pulled in over six hundred people at step three. Yeah. You know, it's pretty brilliant to be honest. So yeah, I think it's just that, and I don't know, in some form or another. I think I'll always be involved with the club. Definitely, I'm a Henson fan. Now, I mean, I grew up supporting West Brom and Rangers, but you know, it's I quite an eclectic mix, isn't it? Henson, you know, tonight my night's built. Once we finish this, 
I've got a member of my staff going to um, play in Stoneport tonight, of course. Yeah. And uh, a member of my staff from the office has done me a favour and she's going to the game and video calling me so I can watch the entire game. Brilliant. Oh, that's dedication. You know, it just becomes an obsession, I think. And But yeah, I do. I love the place. I think one way or another, even, even long after I've departed, my role as chairman and whatever whatever else is, and, you know, I've nothing to do with the running of the club, I still sponsor it. Yeah, no, I think that that sort of real dedication is is I think will be music to fans' ears. On a couple of interviews that you've sort of done with uh, WM and things, you you've sort of indicated that um, that that you you're here as a sort of a custodian, and there might be other opportunities for someone else to take over. Um, kind of explain a little bit about how long are you planning to be here for? Are you, um, you know, what what what's in your thinking in terms of that? I'm probably the strange. It was probably the strangest ownership statement when you, you know, you just took over a business that anyone's ever done. Where I know I've just took this business over, and it's still, but now it's up for sale again. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's a weird one. Um, it is hard to explain to people sort of outside. I think I just kind of sort of kind of get it, but I do, I do think some people outside of maybe don't understand where we're at. Um, club is still up for sale. Football inside is up for a pound. However, I won't just sell it to anybody. Yeah, It's got to be somebody who is going to buy the stadium and do the right thing by the club and make sure that the club is safe and also can can afford the football club. I'm not just going to sell it to somebody who can't take it any further than I can. Um, I'm definitely not going to sell it to somebody who I think is going to be dangerous to the football club. Uh, and there are those people out there. I'm not going to sell it to a dreamer. Um, because as much as I support people's dreams, I'm not prepared to gamble hence a turn's future on it. Um, so for me, obviously we've got to agree, agree a deal with privacy as well for the stadium. Mm. Um, it's got to be a deal that works there. But from my point, I'll relinquish my control tomorrow morning if the right person came in. You know what I mean? It's nothing to do with, it's not about ego, it's not about money for me. It's just about finding the right person for the football club and, I'm here until we find that person. Now, how long that person will take, I don't know. You know, as I say, they might turn up tomorrow. Um, they might turn up next year. They might turn up in ten years. And one way or another, I'll, I'll still be here until that until that right person comes. Because I don't ever want not just myself, but the community and anybody who's a Henson fan to go through what they went through that day uh, on that Thursday. It was it was horrific and. I'm not prepared to, to ever miss that again. So I'm here to I'm here to need it really is the best way of answering it, mate. Yeah, no, that's I think I think that's just gonna be so reassuring to sort of kind of so many people. Um you know, you've given quite a lot of messages sort of to the supporters, but, um, you know, season tickets are, are, are doing well and they're they're up for sale still. Um, kind of tell us um, what, what you want from the fans um, sort of this season, because for all intents and purposes, this season wasn't supposed to happen for Hensford. No, no, yeah, it was. It, it was um, I think the first thing is, is get down to Keys Park. You know, there's no substitute for being there. And... I appreciate people can't come to every game, and I also appreciate we're in a horrific cost of living crisis, um, especially in the UK. So I do get it, but you know when you have got a few quid spare, and you have got a Saturday spare, come down if you can afford a season ticket, get one. You know, by all means, because it's it's fantastic for the club. That revenue, you don't understand, and I can't explain how important that revenue is to this football club's future. Because as I said to people before, there was two of us doing this before. 
and Graham was the richer one out of me and Graham by a mile. I've never hid that. I ain't loaded. I do all right for myself. I can put some money into the club, but by God, I need those supporters to be behind it as well to make sure we can fund things. Um, I know what that stadium is like when it's when it's busy and when there's a lot of people in there, and I know what the players feel because I speak to them, and the buzz they get, and it's a genuine thing. And I always used to think this is a load of crap, but it's it, it's a genuine thing. You speak to the players, the buzz they get off that stadium when it's right and people are behind them, it's fantastic. And I, ju- I just want us to do that, you know. If you can afford, if you if you've got a few more quid, and you want to sponsor a player or. I don't know, you can buy Teddy for a tenant. No, you can't really. Um, you can, you know, do whatever you want to do to help the club. It's, it's just amazing. And the main thing I just want you to do is, is all be there and be behind Danny. It's not, and look, it's not about, and I said this in the first statement, it's not about getting behind me. It's not about getting behind a board of directors. It's just about getting behind your club. Whether you're a supporter who comes every single game and hasn't missed a game in however many years, or whether you're a supporter who hasn't walked through the gates of Keys Park, since the FC United game. Come down, get behind the club, support what we're trying to do, because ultimately all, all we want right now is to make sure we're still there for the next generation to be able to come to and hopefully we find the right person who can push this football club where it deserves to be in time as well. Aid, I think that's a lovely message to sort of finish on. So um, thank you, obviously, for your time um, and those reassuring messages to the supporters. No worries at all, right? Thank you for your time and up the pit, man.